Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Pawn, book one of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 24 Life Without Sam Katie opened her eyes, automatically squinting as bright sunshine shone through her bedroom window. For a minute she lay there, no memories of the previous night invading her consciousness. She was vaguely aware of a foreboding feeling she instinctively didn't want to pursue. Without any warning, memories of the previous night came crashing down around her. Grief welled up inside her so strong it consumed her. Sam's dead. The statement rammed itself into Katie's consciousness with the force of a bayonet. The picture of her friend's lifeless body raced across her mind. The sight of Sam's unseen eyes haunting her. Eyes that no longer held her best friend's soul. Sam's gone. She's actually gone. Katie kept saying the words in her mind, trying to come to terms with reality. Shaking her head, she tried to get the image out of her head. It remained to haunt her. Nothing she could do was going to make it go away. I can't stand this. Reaching inside, she clamped down hard on the emotions she was feeling. It became a hard knot in the middle of her chest, which physically hurt for several minutes. After she took several calming breaths, the knot remained but was less painful. Rolling over on her back, she looked up at the ceiling. What happened? She thought she was being so careful. She remembered standing out on the porch, watching and listening for every sound, ready to turn into wolf form the second there was trouble. Jackson had reached out to her and started talking about what a beautiful night it was. She stepped off the porch and walked away from the cabin. Realization struck her. She had walked far enough away from the cabin to not be able to hear what was going on inside. That was when Jackson and the other seeker was able to get in. She remembered she tried to talk to Jackson, but he didn't respond. He was probably distracted. He was not listening to her so he could do what he wanted to Sam. Betrayal rippled through her body. Jackson was her friend. He had helped her in so many ways. Katie ran through her mind all the time she had talked and laughed with him. She thought of the time she had first changed into wolf form. He had been her lifeline. Why didn't he kill then? She was vulnerable and weak. She remembered when she saw him with Candace. She instinctively knew he was evil. She could actually smell the evil on him. When she attacked, he could have easily killed her. And yet, he didn't. Why? When Lizzie was changing, he had warned her about the other Seekers. None of it made any sense. His very actions contradicted themselves. Why would he help Katie, but be so intent on going after Candace? She remembered fighting him. Jackson's Black Panther was a much better fighter than she was. He could have easily killed her, and then did whatever he wanted to Candace. Yet he stopped. She remembered how he placed his forehead against hers. Sorry, Katie, he said with his thoughts to her. That is when she realized who he was. She would never have known who the Black Panther was. He gave himself away. 
She closed her eyes as she remembered seeing the black panther fighting the other cat. They had both simultaneously gone through the window. As the fight continued, they went up and over the front porch railing, landing on the ground. That was when the other cat ran into the woods. But the black panther paused for just a moment, his indecision clear, and Danny ran after the other cat. Katie shook her head. If Jackson's intent was anything else but to kill, then it would have taken longer. She was desperate to find a reason for Jackson to be there. Other than the obvious, her mind returned to Jackson's, telling her it was a beautiful moon and she had to see it. He was the one who purposely distracted her. She would never have left the porch for anyone else but him. He was the one she trusted. She closed her eyes, remembering the shock as it vibrated through her soul. She remembered how she screamed, Why, Jackson? Why? His response clanged like a death toll as it bounced around her shocked consciousness. I told you you would hate me. The knot in her chest moved up into her throat. She clamped down. She shoved it back into her chest where it throbbed. Jackson's words vibrated in her mind until she thought she would go mad, trying desperately to get her thoughts away from Jackson. She remembered seeing what animal spirit left Sam. The great white tiger was going to be Sam. It made perfect sense when she thought about it. Sam was a natural leader. She had a strong sense of right and wrong. The tiger would have picked her for herself. The spirit tiger made sure it was protected while changing. There would have been four others guarding her, but she never had four there. Candace and Tyler were miles away. Katie and Lizzie were outside watching the doors, not the windows, leaving plenty of room for seekers to destroy the body the tiger planned to possess. Katie got up and looked out the window, not seeing anything. If she'd been in wolf form, she would have smelled Jackson. She could have heard him easily. Lizzie had followed her example and didn't change either. She had been lulled into a false sense of security of her own making. Jackson may be responsible for the actual kill, but she allowed him to do it. In the end, Sam was dead because of her. It was her fault. The knot rose again, threatening to choke her. Clamping down hard, she forced it back into her chest. Katie? She turned, noticing her mother for the first time. She wondered how long she'd been standing there. David Black is here to see you. A sickening cold enveloped her body. The knot slammed into her throat, choking off whatever words were starting to form. Shaking her head, she began gasping for breath. No. She was finally able to whisper through tight vocal cords. I can't. Her mother nodded, turned, and left the room. Katie turned back to the window. She was thankful her window faced the back of the house. She did not want to have to see David leave. The next couple of days followed a pattern. She barely left her bedroom. She refused to eat until her mother threatened to hand feed her. She only picked at her food. She would stare for hours out the window, going over and over the things she could have done. Grief, betrayal, and guilt were at war with each other each emotion intent on destroying her. Sometimes she would feel a pushing sensation against her mind. Through her pain, she realized the other were-animals were trying to speak to her. A couple of times, she almost opened her mind and allowed them access. She had no idea what to say. In the end, 
She closed her mind to all. Her mother insisted she go to Sam's funeral. Not having the energy to argue, Katie eventually agreed to go, but she was determined to drive herself. Seeing her mother leave, she waited until she knew she was late. Entering the chapel, she sat in the back pew. Wearing sunglasses to hide her eyes, she closely watched the front pews. Four large pews recorded off her family members. She recognized almost everyone in the family. She wasn't surprised when she saw Tyler, Candace, and Lizzie all sitting together in the family section. She saw Robbie had come home from college. Her eyes drifted down the road to see Stephen Benz, Robbie and David's best friend, was sitting between Robbie and David. He must have come home from college for the funeral. That was nice of him to do that, Katie mused quietly to herself. Her eyes eventually rested on David. He looked handsome in his suit and tie. He kept glancing around as if he was looking for someone. She vaguely wondered who he was looking for. Feeling a little uneasy, Katie slowly moved over until her view of David was blocked. She had to admit it, Sam's funeral was nice. Instead of focusing on the tragedy of her death, her life was celebrated. Katie briefly forgot her grief when she was forced to laugh over some of the crazy things Sam had done, most of the stories she had witnessed herself. After one of the speakers, Katie glanced towards the family pew. David had not only moved, but his body was turned sideways. He was staring straight at her. Quickly looking down, very slowly, nonchalantly, she moved down the pew to block his view. When the closing prayer was over, David jumped up, heading in her direction. Panic seized her until she realized he was stopped by several people offering their condolences. She quickly left the church and got in her car. She drove a little down the street and parked. She waited patiently for the motor brigade carrying Sam's casket to drive by. She stayed in her car as the family did one last prayer over the gravesite. She didn't understand her feelings. She desperately wanted to be part of Sam's last farewell. She wanted to stand next to the family and be counted as one of them. She knew the people standing over the grave would welcome her with open arms. Guilt stopped her. It was her fault. My fault, she whispered. Grief flamed up, consuming her once more. Unable to endure the heartbreak, she looked down, trying to get her emotions under control. Finally, suppressing her feelings, she glanced up. Surprised and shock rebounded through her consciousness. David was walking towards her with a purposeful gait. Sitting up in her seat, she leaned over and started her car. Seeing him break into a run, Katie slammed the car into gear. She punched the gas. The Camaro's tires jumped and squealed. She almost lost control before she let up on the gas. Looking in her rearview mirror, she saw David's hands on his hips watching her drive away. She knew it was only a matter of time he was going to find a way to talk to her. After all, he was Sam's brother. Defeat was not part of their vocabulary. As long as it wasn't today or in the near future, Katie could live with it. The next morning, her mother informed her she needed to go back to school. She listened to her mother with empty eyes. Shrugging her shoulders in acceptance, she turned to get ready. Opening her dresser drawer, a hot pink t-shirt lay on top. Pulling it out, she fingered the fabric. The words modest is hottest and blazed on the front. Without even thinking about it, she put the t-shirt on. Katie couldn't explain it, but it made her feel better.
Katie's number one goal was to stay out of David's sight. She soon developed a sixth sense. It was almost as if she could smell his presence. She never went to lunch and avoided all common rooms where he might see her. When school was out, she left her home immediately. Lizzie and Tyler tried repeatedly to talk to her. Unable to completely avoid them, she would mumble yes or no answers and then find an excuse to leave. She wore Sam's pink t-shirt every day. Since she only had two, she was continuously washing one to be ready for the next day. They soon started to fade and look worn out. When she couldn't find the shirts, she found out her mother had thrown them out. Screaming at the top of her lungs, she dug the faded shirts out of the trash and continued to wear them. A month later, her mother refused to give her any more sleeping pills. Katie was so afraid she might dream she lay awake for hours. Eventually, she drifted off into an exhausted sleep. She found herself on the edge of the small pool. The waterfall was cascading down, shutting all sound. Looking around, she expected to see the great white tiger. Instead, Jackson stood close to the edge of the trees. He took a couple of steps towards her. His arm stretched out in a pleading manner. Shaking her head, she took a step back. He said something to her. She couldn't hear him. No, she took a couple of steps back, shaking her head. I trusted you. Why? Why? She felt the familiar tug on her mind. She realized he was trying to reach her. Backing away, she started screaming. Her arms were outstretched, trying to ward him off. Katie, wake up. Wake up. She opened her eyes. Her mother was shaking her. Dripping in sweat, she glanced around, afraid she may have given something away. Her mother watched her intently, got up, and left the room. She soon returned with a sleeping pill. Grateful, Katie welcomed the oblivion she craved. Hello, Katie. Katie inwardly cringed, recognizing the voice. She didn't want to look up, making her worst nightmare a reality. Unlocking her car door, she opened it, intent on ignoring the voice as long as possible. She wasn't surprised when her car door slammed shut. She felt David's warm body close to her. She slowly raised her eyes from his pants to his shirt, his neck, his unsmiling lips until they rested on his eyes. His eyes were so much like Sam's. She quickly looked down, unable to hold his gaze. The moment had arrived. David was going to insist on answers. She had no idea how to act or what to say. She stood quietly, ready to take flight with whatever means necessary. David watched her intently, not saying a word. Finally, sighing, he looked out over the parking lot. I have something for you. He handed her two of Sam's hot pink t-shirts. They looked brand new compared to the faded one she was now wearing. Surprised, Katie mechanically took them. Unable to stop the small smile, she lifted them to her face. The soft cotton texture comforted her. She closed her eyes, unable to stop the hard knot in her chest as it rose up, threatening to choke her. Clamping down on it, she forced it back down into her chest. Dropping her book bag, she whipped off her old faded pink t-shirt and pulled one of the new shirts on. Uh, Katie looked over at David's red face. He was looking everywhere but at her. She realized she had just taken off her shirt in front of him. I'm sorry, I didn't think. Uh, that's okay, he said. His eyes darted towards her and then quickly looked away. 
His face turned into a deep shade of purple. Katie could feel the heat rising in her cheeks. She was such an idiot. Becoming a were-animal, the first thing you stopped thinking about was personal modesty. She couldn't help see the irony when she quickly donned the hot pink shirt declaring modest is hottest. She wouldn't have stripped naked in front of David, but a bra was almost the same thing as the top of a swimsuit. Except to the black family member, they would always see the distinction. I'm really sorry, I... David shook his head, his cheeks returning to a more normal color. Hey, at least I get to tell my friends I've seen you in your bra. He gave her a tight smile. For some reason, they think I'm square. Katie shook her head. David, you are square, she retorted. Oh, yeah? David leaned towards her, his warm body invading her personal space, his smile suddenly turning genuine. A square who got to see the prettiest girl in school without a shirt on. A warm glow developed in the pit of her stomach. She couldn't help the smile creeping into her lips. David brushed a hair away from her face. Don't be a stranger. Straightening, he walked away. Katie watched him go. She had expected questions, accusations, demand for answers. What she got was the complete opposite. She shook her head. He was very much like Sam. Still smiling to herself, she drove home. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's chapter of The Pawn, the first book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week and our imaginations meet again, have a great day.